Welcome to this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. We speak the name of Jesus. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Whether you're a mother naturally or not, you're a spiritual mother, and you may not even know it. Maybe you're a mother to somebody else's child in some capacity, but we love you, we appreciate you, and we honor you today. We wouldn't be able to do all that we do without you ladies here in the house, and so we appreciate you. And we love you. And we honor you today, all of you, and all of those who aren't with us today. We love and miss you and honor you, and we know we couldn't do it all without you, and so we're grateful for your strength and for your wisdom and all that you provide to us and all that you are to us in so many ways and so many places. And For many, many years, I've preached special Mother's Day messages and kind of look back and I didn't do that last year I preached last year God is up to something and I kept looking and was going to preach a typical Mother's Day message but um, I think I'm going to forgo that and give you something else that the Lord was speaking to me this week but before we get into the text and the word from today I'll just Reiterate that we love you ladies. We appreciate you whether you're a mother here on the earth or not. You're a spiritual mama of some kind. Many of you serve as that even over our church and to our community. And uh, we truly couldn't do all that we do without you ladies. I said last week how uh, especially even the ladies in our office are a force to be reckoned with. And uh, that they are able to accomplish so much uh, when people see all that we do, it's it's more than just me. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. And so we appreciate and honor Mom and uh, Lois and uh, Cynthia who work all the time in the office and even all the ladies and even gentlemen that work upstairs in Norma's Closet over in the other building. Uh, I said that last week that the, even those ladies upstairs are a force to be reckoned with. And so we do all that we do, not because of me. I may have had the vision for it, but... You all have implemented it and took it and ran with it in so many ways that uh, we couldn't do it all without you. And so we honor you. We bless you. We thank God for you being women of valor and women of uh, just wisdom and strength. And so we're grateful and thankful for you. And we love you. So happy Mother's Day to all of you ladies. And as we celebrate all of you, and we just appreciate you more than you will ever know. Amen, men? Yes. Hallelujah. So on your way out today, we'll give you a small gift of our appreciation on the table. And so every lady that's here, we want to make sure you get one. And it's just something to aid you to continue to be strong and to continue to be the woman, the women that we know that God has called you to be and allow you to be armed and dangerous as the women that you are. You need to know that you are armed. You'll, you'll understand it when you get it. Uh, But you need to know that you are armed and that you are dangerous. Uh Uh-huh. You're going to be packing now. You're going to have something with you to pack some heat. 
Hallelujah. That no, you don't need to ever be afraid that you're going to be packing heat all the days of your life. I know we usually do flowers, and that's great and fun, but we, I just couldn't do that this year. We just needed to give you something that would uh, catapult you forward and help you all spiritually. And so that's what we our focus was this year. But I want to get into the Word. Can we do that? And as we do, I want to share this with you. We're going to go into the book of Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And there was something that the Lord couldn't let me get away from this week. I kept looking at uh, different women of the Bible, and there are countless ways and things that we could preach about and for Mother's Day. But even after I had looked in uh, a few options and started even working on some things, I wasn't able to get by. The Lord kept saying to me over and over again, I'm the same God. Over and over again. It didn't matter every time I went to prayer or I talked to somebody, I got off the phone, and it was like God kept reminding me he's the same God. And I was like, God, what are you trying to say? Everywhere I looked in Scripture this week, the same God. It didn't no matter what conversation I got in, he's the same God. How many of you know that sometimes it almost seems as though we get confused or we wonder if the God that we read about in Scripture is the same one that often we're crying out to and praying to. But he wants you and I to be reminded that he is the same God. The same God that created the heavens and the earth is the same God that we worship today. The same God that delivered the three Hebrew boys out of the fiery furnace is the same God that we're worshiping today. Are you hearing me? The same God we read consistently throughout Scripture is the same one we're here. I think sometimes we almost feel like there's a disconnect or God, why aren't you hearing me? How many have prayed and wondered, God, what is going on? Why haven't you answered this prayer yet? God, where have you been? And our faith can get a little bit uh, shaky. A little bit antsy. Sometimes we get into a, even a period of doubting. We can believe that God will do it for somebody else, but will he do it for you? Anybody else ever been like that, or am I the only one? You can believe God to help and to heal somebody else, but for you to believe that God will do it in your family, it's sometimes different. Because we feel more connected to it. We feel more uh, invested in it and so we're not quite as sure because we know all the ins and outs and all of the details and yet God wants to remind you and I that he is the same God I want you to say that out loud the same God this I know I usually get some cute clever title all the time but this was what he gave and it's what I'm going to give you the same God not different but he is the same that's why the Bible says he is the same yesterday today and forever. Over the last number of weeks, we focused on that he, we are sheltered by the shepherd. It took us a while to get through Psalms 23, Psalms 91, and was preaching out of there for a number of weeks, and I wasn't sure where we were going to go, and he wants to remind you and I today that he is the same God. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 9, verse, we'll start in verse uh, 17. Verse 17, we'll read a few of these verses. Mark chapter 9. Yes. Verse 17. 
Here we go. It says, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son whom has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now, we've preached from this before multiple times, but, but listen to what he's saying. He said, I spoke to your disciples. They should cast it out, but they could not. In other words, I got prayer at church, but it didn't get any better. Uh, another way of saying it, Lord, I had hands laid on me, but it didn't help. Are you starting to hear what I'm saying? That, that's really what he's saying. He said, I came to Fresh Fire Church, but it didn't do me any good. Uh-huh. And verse 19, he goes on and says, he answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell to the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, look what Jesus does. So Jesus asks his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. In other words, I don't expect you to heal him. I don't expect you to make it all better. But if you can do anything at all, just, just help a little bit. Anybody else ever been so desperate? God, just help a little bit. And Jesus said to him in verse 23, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Hmm. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead. So that many said, he is dead. But look at verse 27, our final verse. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Focus on that again. Verse 26 says, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus, somebody say, but Jesus, took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Can somebody say the same God? Maybe now you see where we're going to go today. The same God. The same God. The same God that we read about all through Scripture, through Genesis to Revelation, is the same God we are talking about today. The same 
that we were singing about just before we got into the word, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, right? Knowing that there is power that is in the name, that the same God that we're singing about, the same God that we're worshiping about, the same that we're reading about today, the name Jesus. Look what it says, and he became as one dead. People have said this, this demon-possessed child is one that is dead, but it says that 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 Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. This is the same God. You and I need to try to get it settled in our spirit. The same God that we come together to, to worship is the same God that we are reading about in Scripture. It is not different. Amen. I'm grateful and thankful that he is no respecter of persons. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He sees and hears you and I. Amen. The same God that Abraham communicated with is the same God you and I get the privilege to worship and call upon his name. Amen. The same God that we've seen perform miracles all throughout Scripture, that same Jesus is the same Jesus we are talking about today. I don't know, but for some reason there seems to be a disconnect oftentimes in our faith to where we can just believe God for whatever it is that we are in need of. Some of us might remember growing up, we used to sing that song, Here I Am Standing in the Need of Prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord. Anybody else? Standing in the need of prayer, right? Lord, it's me. And so, but oftentimes, even while singing a song like that, we believe there's sort of a disconnect that, that, that somehow God doesn't hear us. He, he, he won't do what we've read about him doing in the past, or he won't do what he did for somebody else in church. But we need to be reminded that we serve the same God, not somebody different. We don't gather together to serve Allah or, or a Buddha or any other uh, God that others serve around the world. We serve the one and the only Jesus Christ, name above all names. Am I preaching to anybody today? Uh, great and powerful, the, 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 the God that whom the name Jesus can cause demons to tremble and mountains to bow down. Amen. Jesus, the same God, that's who we're serving. That's who we're worshiping today. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but some of us have probably experienced church in ways that we come into church and we can experience the power and the presence and the anointing of God only to leave the church and have our own personal life exploding. Mm-hmm. Trouble all around, right? We can come to church and we can really sense the presence and the anointing of God only to leave and be hit with all the troubles of the world, amen? We experienced it in church growing up. It caused me growing up to sort of have a distaste for church, and I didn't understand it because I would see one thing in church, but it seemed like while God was moving in the, in the church and the body of Christ, our family was imploding from the inside out, right? I've experienced it even, even growing up later in years, how, how it goes like that. I've, I've been able to see how I can pray for people and see them healed, but yet people in my own family are, are dying. Even though we're praying, they're not getting healed, but they're, 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 they're passing away. There's no healing taking place. But others that I may not love as much, I pray for. And, and God's healing them and restoring them. And it can cause us to begin to wonder, God, what, what is going on? Are, are you the same God that I was praying over there? Are you the same God I was believing in? Are you the same God that I was, I was uh, uh, believing that was going to show up in this circumstance, in this situation? Hallelujah. The text where we begin to pick up, Jesus has just come off the mountain, down off the mountain with Peter and James and John, and they've seen all kinds of glory up on the mountain. 
they were experiencing the real presence of God. And the fact that the Bible helps us to understand just before the portion that we read that the glory was so thick that the Bible says that Peter wanted to build three tabernacles. He comes down and he, to, they come down off of the mountain only to find a demon running around in the valley. Every one of us in this place has sort of probably left a powerful anointed sermon and go home and all kinds of hell hitting us in the face. We've all probably experienced that because, see, it's not it's not the valley that is hard to bear. It's having to live with trouble after you and I've been on the mountain. Are you hearing me? Everything can sort of be breaking loose. And now sometimes it feels like we have to put on a fake smile and come to church only to face hell when we go back home or only to face hell when we go back to work on Monday. And so it can be a struggle to try to merge life that begins on Monday with what God is doing on Sunday. It it can be, how can we be so high in, in the presence of God and in church and then be so low at home? Anybody else hear what I'm talking about? We can be really experience his presence and his anointing, but then really depressed once we get home. How can we have miracles on the mountaintop and demons in the valley? See, if we'd be honest, I know some of you can't be, but if we would be really honest, we can identify that life is like that. We can experience his presence and his glory and his anointing. And then when we leave here and life begins to happen outside of that, because how many know we all don't live under the anointing of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week? And so sometimes that's why we we often lose our mind, lose our temper, because we're not always operating under the glory of God. And so it can be be difficult and challenging to have miracles in the presence of God and the anointing of God in the house of God and then leave here and then have demons in our valley. Look at what the Bible says. (laughs) The Bible says that the Father says to to Jesus, he says, I brought my son to your church, and basically... The demon-possessed boy's father says to Jesus, I brought your son to church, and he isn't any better. Your disciples, they, they tried to help him, but, but it didn't work. It didn't work. It, it, it didn't have any effect on him. The father brought him to church, and he, in other words, he brought his world into the, the, the church world, and it didn't help. He brought his family problem to the church He prayed. It's like how we can bring sometimes our family problems, our issues to church, ask for prayer, and it still didn't help. How many of you know there are some things we've prayed about and we haven't seen the fulfillment of the answer yet? Is there anybody else? Finally, somebody says amen. There are some things, there are names on the wall of prayer that we have not seen a miracle yet. There are people you've been believing God to get saved that you haven't seen saved yet. There are things you've been believing for a healing for that you have not seen manifested yet. Amen. There are miracles of some kind that you you started out believing all you could believe that God was going to move, but it hasn't happened. There are some marriages we prayed for and they still fell apart. There are some people we prayed for that God would touch and heal them, and and they still passed away. Can we just be honest? There are some people we prayed about, but they're still in jail. So what do you and I do? What do we do when our story and our glory don't match up? What do we do like that happens in the text where Jesus and these uh, other disciples come off of the mountain under the glory, and then they get back down off the mountain into the valley, and, and the story isn't matching the glory they were just experiencing. Mm-hmm. 
we talk and we preach about the, the, the power, but what happens when you cannot bring an alignment with our ideals and our realities? See, we all have ideals of what we'd like life to be like, but then there are the realities. Anybody who ever goes through uh, marital counseling with me knows all about that. Because before I'll ever help you say I do, I talk to you about the things that you think your ideals are, the ideal marriage and what you really want marriage to look like, and then I'm going to help you out to understand the realities, that it's not going to look anything like your ideals. It's not going to be ooh and ah and googly eyes forever, right? It's not going to be like that. Your marriage is not going to look like days of our lives or Desperate Housewives or whatever the heck it is that you watch now. It's not going to be like that. You're not going to have it all. There are going to be days you can't stand them. There are going to be days that you want to pluck their eyes out with a spoon. There are going to be days you think it'd be easier to leave and never look back. Amen. That's the same thing way it is with life. And so this text is helping you and I to understand the difference between our beliefs and our realities, uh, the beliefs between our convictions and our crisis. And so the Father says... This demon has taken control. This is what the father says. He says, I don't have influence with my own child anymore. In other words, he's saying he was being controlled by something. He says it's, it's taken him. It's torn him. He, he foams at the mouth, the Bible says, and he, he's nothing but a bag of bones. But let me tell you something about this father that's true about you and I. The father never would have been telling about his son if it, hadn't to, if it hadn't have gotten to a state of crisis. One thing I know about you and I is there are a lot of things we try to keep to ourselves. We will suffer in private and never bring things publicly until it is well beyond crisis mode. Because the only reason why oftentimes church people end up telling the truth is when push comes to shove, when it is too far beyond what we can handle on our own. Is anybody hearing me today? Ramona's with me, that we will not get real before God or before God's people and tell them how bad it really is until push comes to shove. In other words, till the weight is way too heavy for you to carry on your own, till your life is falling apart in every part. No, we'll come in and put on a cute face and put on a fake smile and act like everything is perfect until the weight is more than we can bear, until we can't endure the pain anymore on our own, until we're tired of suffering and dealing with a broken heart all on our own. And until then, we'll just smile and pretend it's all okay. That, that's why people often call us hypocritical and fake, right? Because they've got that down right. Because the only way we really get honest is when push comes to shove. That's what I know about this man. This man only came to the, the, the disciples and he only came to Jesus when it got so bad he couldn't handle it anymore. When, when the problem, one problem in his house was affecting every part of his house. Oh. Anybody else ever had some family problems that it was, it was okay, but then their family problems started affecting every area of your life. You know, where it wasn't just a fight between you and one person. Now it's you, you can't stand any of them. Now, now, now you can't stand to be in their presence at all. Now it's affecting your peace and your sleep, and it's even affecting your finances. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It gets to a point of, of overload where you cannot endure it anymore. It's more than you can bear. And so we start trying to tell somebody else about it. So we, we start pulling ranks and gathering others in the family to join our cause. Hallelujah. Just so we don't have to endure it alone. 
that, that's why we do that. We want to know that we're not in this by ourselves. I, I need to help. I, I, I need to sometimes vent to my sister so she understands I can't be the only one that thinks mom's crazy, right? So it's nice to know Carrie will agree with me sometimes. She knows I'm only picking. And we'll endure some kind of family issue or trauma or problem or sickness or disease until that issue affects every area. But once it begins to affect every area, that's when we'll start getting honest. We'll start getting honest about our marriage when that area of our marriage is boiling over into every area. It's affecting my work and my peace and my sleep. Amen. But as long as we can keep it covered up, we'll keep it covered. That's true about us. Yeah. Yeah, see, we've lived a little bit. See, some of us are going to start being honest today. We'll keep it covered as long as we can keep it covered. we're, We're a people of many masks, of many layers. Yes, we are. There are many, many layers and depths to us. But Jesus said, look at how Jesus responds to the Father. He says, you faithless generation, how long do I have to tolerate and be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. (laughs) You faithless generation, how long do I have to deal with you? Imagine. Coming to God at the end of your rope. Imagine walking up to Jesus in the middle of your crisis when it is affecting every area of your life and he responds to you, you faithless generation. How long do I have to suffer you? Imagine uh, Jesus walking in here today as we were singing that song. Shout Jesus from the mountains. See, every time I, we sing that song, I, I picture us shouting Jesus in our streets and over our city and over the addicted and over those depressed and, and chains breaking just because you shouted his name. See, I, I visualize that. It, it gets me emotional. I visualize that. But imagine if we get done singing that and there's a response that Jesus would give us is you faithless generation. How long do I have to deal with you? In fact, I, I kind of believe that that is the attitude Jesus would take with most of the church. Because we pray and sing, we put a lot of investment and we'll get cute lights and smoke and spend a lot of money on musicians and sound equipment and cute TV cameras and our worship doesn't go any higher than the ceiling in our building. And so Jesus is saying, don't do nothing. Most of the prayers we pray in our churches... Don't go any further than our ceiling. Where are the results? And so I think Jesus might respond to our worship this morning. I was about ready to take off off of that seat like a rocket, I thought. And I think Jesus might respond to us, you faithless generation. How long do I have to deal with you? How long do I have to suffer with you? And he would say, just bring the afflicted to me. In other words, get out of my way. Woo. See, he wants you and I to be ambassadors or representatives to represent him on the earth. That's why it says, is anyone sick among you? Call the elders of the church. Not just any, anybody, but call the elders. Some people that I know that had to know how to get a hold of me. But he's saying, Jesus is saying, you're doing all of that and it still ain't working. So get out of my way. Bring him to me. Hallelujah. Bring him to me. I want you to consider that about your worship. I want you to consider that about your prayer life. Oh, faithless generation. 
Are you really believing that he is the same God? Are you really believing that he is the same God that we're reading about and we're studying about? Then when we sing a song like that, you ought to be speaking and shouting the name of Jesus to every area of your life that that song applies to every person addicted, to every person depressed, over your, your street you live on, over the city of Uniontown and the county we reside in. Amen. Because I, I don't want Jesus to be able to stand before us and call us a faithless generation and basically say, just get out of my way. Let me do it. Amen. I, I, I don't want him to do that. And so the Bible says that they, they, they brought the boy to... The, the, they brought the, the boy to Jesus, and the Spirit did it in front of Jesus. The Bible says he was gnashing teeth and snarling, and that light and darkness collided in that very moment. Thinking about that, light and darkness collided in that very moment. Truth and lies were standing shoulder to shoulder. This demon manifesting right in the very presence of Jesus, and then truth is standing right over him. Hell and heaven glaring at each other in, in a single moment. The demon took the boy and stood right in front of Jesus' face and rent him right there. Oh, my. Right in front of Jesus. Now, notice something about Jesus. He didn't do right away that most of us would say. And some when demonic things have ever manifested in church, we just deal with it. I, I'm not much for giving the enemy a, a platform and a time to just show off. If we've had demon-possessed people, oh, I'll stop everything. We'll cast the devil out and move on. Because you, you don't give the opportunity for the devil to put on a show. That's why people who do things and drag it out and make it look all theatrical, it's not that. It's real simple. It shouldn't take us any more than a couple minutes to drive a demon out if you're carrying the, the, Jesus Christ. And we know what we're doing if we understand the power that we're packing. So look here. But Jesus didn't cast the devil out right away. Uh-uh. He, he didn't cast the devil out. The Bible says Jesus turned his head. <laughs> And started talking to the father. Now, if I did that, somebody would leave the church. If we don't pray and lay hands and anoint you with oil in the very moment, you think people will get mad. But look, Jesus ignored the, the theatrics of the demon. Frothing at the mouth, twitching, snarling, growling. Jesus wasn't phased. Jesus just thought, I, I don't need to deal with you now. Jesus ignored him. Now, I'll remind you, we're serving the same God. We're going to see something in a moment. The reason why maybe God's not responding to you. Maybe he turned his head. Maybe it's not as important to him as you think it is. Oh. In other words, what we often think is an emergency, a 911 call to heaven. God's saying, just, just hang on. I need to show you something else. I need you to show there's something more important. And so Jesus didn't cast it out. He just turned his head and started talking to his father. Think about that. How in the world could Jesus turn his head while this boy's laying on the ground, foaming at the mouth, gnashing of his teeth? Jesus did, remember, just a moment ago, he called the boy to him when he said, how long do I have to deal with you faithless generation? In other words, get out of my way. Bring the boy to me. He just called the boy to him, and now he's going to ignore him. We've sort of seen Jesus do this before. There's been times where where Jesus didn't address the main issue that he was approached with, where he looked past it and knew that there was something more and bigger going on. Hallelujah. And so Jesus brings, calls the boy to him, yet he turns his head. Because he, he ignores the demon's performance and takes the time to talk to the father. 
And he says to the father, how long have you had to live with the hell that you've been living with? He said to him, how long has he been like this? How long have you been living with this kind of hell? Jesus starts having a conversation about the boy's history. And yet it appears that the boy needs Jesus's immediate attention. See, when you and I have a crisis in our life, it appears that we need Jesus's attention right now. How many have ever been in a situation where you started praying to God and you said, Lord, I need you right now in the emergency room. I need you right now. God, my checkbook's overdrawn. I need you right now. God, I'm not feeling well. I need you right now. Jesus knew that he could fix the boy. But he did not know, but he he knew enough to know that he, he could not fix the boy if he did not fix the father. How many know sometimes there's another problem going on beyond the problem that we immediately see? Right? Sometimes what we think is the crisis, God's looking at and saying, no, what you think is the crisis is not the crisis. And if I fix that, we're not going to fix the real root issue. See, sometimes we'll pray, God, fix this in my marriage, but God's just ignoring that, saying, nope, that's not the real issue. Maybe the real issue is somewhere else. So he'll turn his head from you to try to get your attention on what the real issue is. Uh-huh. And so we end up coming to church, and we oftentimes come to church just to anesthetize the pain because we won't do the work at home that makes church relevant. Oh, You say, Pastor, it's Mother's Day. Uh Uh-huh. Because sometimes we'll come to church and we want God to do all the work, but then when we get home, we don't do any of the work that makes what God is trying to do here relevant. Are we hearing what he's saying now? So the father said he often falls into the fire and he often falls into the water. Anybody who's ever had a child or babysat a child knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. They'll often find themselves in some kind of trouble. Trouble seems to find them. And so the father starts crying and says, Jesus, if you can do anything, help me. In other words, he started saying to Jesus, Lord, I don't expect you to to completely heal him and restore him, but if you can do something just to help him, I'm desperate. It's been happening such a long time. Think about this. What is it that you have been living with in your life for a long time? I want you to really ask yourself, what is it that you have been living with a long time? I mean a long time. Something that's been on your prayer list for many years. And we've not seen any results. What is it that you have been living with a long time? Jesus says, how long has he been this way? Or how long have you been living with this problem, this crisis? See, I know we're not amening a lot because the reason I know that is because we, we can't expect many amens all the time in church because a patient never talks in the middle of a surgery. If you're talking in the middle of surgery, something's wrong. And so I know we can't always amen and shout back at me. And so this is probably one of those moments God is wanting to ask you, how long have you been been the way that you are? How long have you been dealing or struggling with this one thing that you've been praying about? In other words, how long have you and I developed a pathology around our pain and developed a way of coping? 
with what's wrong? How long have we learned to just get along with what's not working? How long have we been blaming other people for what we are doing in our own house or what we're not doing in our own house? You'll be able to shout here in a moment. This is just temporary, I promise. He, he, he wants to reveal something to you. How long has it been? And so the father says, he says, if you can do anything, I'm not sure if it's fixable, Jesus, but if you can do anything, help us. In other words, I've lived with it so long, I'm not sure it can be fixed, but if you can do anything, God, please just help us. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to heal it, but Lord, please make it better. Please just, just help make it better in some capacity, in some way. Hallelujah. Help in some way. Help in some way. How I many you know we, we've done a lot of preaching and teaching here at the church on prayer and how to pray effectively. If there's one thing you should know how to do at this place, it's pray and get answers. And yet one thing I've learned about prayer is that there are sometimes, there are no eloquent words that we can say when we really need help from God. How many of you have ever been in so much trouble that you just had to cry out and say, help? Or in the midst of our tears, amen, David, we just had to say, help, in some capacity. We would, we would scream and shout. We could be the only ones in church screaming or, or praying out loud, but we were just saying, God, help. God, some kind of release. You don't have to fix it all the way, but, but help in some capacity. Amen. We, 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 we get so desperate for God to move that we're not interested in him speaking or, or praying eloquently. We just cry out, Lord, help. Is there, that's what the Father was saying. He said, is there anything that you can do to help us? Notice the Bible says that the, the, the demon cried out and the father cried out. And then Jesus cried out. I said the demon cried out, the father cried out, and then Jesus cried out, you faithless and perverse generation. How long do I have to bear you? How long do I have to bear you? And so Jesus begins to minister to the root of the problem and not the symptom. So the gnashing of the boy's teeth was just a symptom. But the root is going on somewhere else in that house. And Jesus knew it. Jesus said, this boy is just fruit of what's really happening. How many of you need to know that maybe the thing that's driving you nuts is just fruit but not the root? You might have thought it was the root, but the problem could be really be rooted somewhere else and the enemies had you distracted thinking it was one area and God has and, and, and Jesus sort of turned his head because he recognizes it somewhere else the boy is on the ground he's filming at the mouth twitching and Jesus is not even looking at the boy or rebuking it yet he's looking at the father mm. the boy is acting out and the father is in tears because when there's a problem in the house, it affects everybody in the house. I said, when there's a problem in the house, it affects everybody in the house. That's why when mom and dad have problems, they may try to keep it quiet and not tell the kids, but the kids know it's affecting them too, amen. 
you can try to fight quietly, but it affects everybody in the house. When there's one member of the house sick, it affects everybody in the house. When one person is depressed, it affects everybody in the house. Are you hearing me? And so that's why Jesus turned his head from the boy and looked at the father because he knew that it was affecting everybody in the house. And so the father says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He kind of sounds crazy. Can you, can you go with me? He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What do you mean you believe, but help my unbelief? Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. How, how can you be a believer and an unbeliever at the same time? I really believe it's because all of us have an area of great faith and then an area where we struggle to believe. There's probably one area of your life where you have great faith to believe and then there's one area of your life where you're struggling to believe. So he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe you over here, but I'm struggling to believe you over here. Lord, I believe that you can help me, but I'm struggling to believe that you're going to help my son. Lord, I believe that you will help my finances, but, I, I, but Lord, I, I'm struggling to believe that you're going to help my other family member. I'm struggling to believe that you're going to help me in the workplace. God, I believe that you're a miracle-working God, that you're my provider, but I don't know or believe that you necessarily are going to restore a marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That our, our faith can fluctuate from circumstance or from person. And so that's, that, that's what was happening here. We, we had an area of great faith in an area where his faith was struggling. Hallelujah. Some areas are just hard for you and I to believe. And so we go from we, we go from casting it out to if you could do anything, God, just help me. We go from God instead of just making it whole, God just help. Uh-huh. See, we serve a God. We serve a we serve a God that in in and by and through the name of Jesus, He wants you and I to have a life of wholeness where there's nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. And then we come to God. That's why Jesus said, Oh, you faithless generation. And we say, oh, God, just help. God says, I don't understand help because what I, what I spoke over you, what my word says, is that I want desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul does prosper. In other words, he says, I desire above all else that you have nothing missing, lacking, or broken. So when we pray, God, help, he's saying, I can't identify with that. That doesn't look like me. I don't come just to help or make it a little bit better. I, I came, died, was buried and resurrected so I could carry and bear the whole thing. All of it. Yeah, amen. Not just to carry a little bit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that's why Jesus says, you faithless generation. How long do I have to deal with you? Are you still with me? Go on and put that on up there. Hallelujah. You faithless generation. All that that is, when you and I say, God, help if you can. You know what the Lord said to me? He showed me through this text. We're, we're going to probably spend a couple weeks on this, the same God.
because he showed me when we pray things that are less than the word that he spoke, less than the written word of God, we're lowering our expectations. And that's an area that is a symptom of unbelief. When you and I are praying in, in, in a way that says, God, help this. God, just help me in some way. And we're not praying the, the full completeness of the word of God. When we don't come to him boldly, the Bible says that we're to come to him boldly before the throne. In other words, boldly have the audacity to, to ask him and tell him what you want, what he said you could have. We don't have the audacity to go to God, Lord, I need $1,000. No, we say, God, I just need $20 to put in my car. You faithless generation. A, a, a year ago, our church was believing God for $100,000. I said, I need 100 people to give $1,000 so we can buy more property. Some of you looked at me like we were crazy. Well, here we are a year later, we bought it all. Right? Everything that our church has ever been able to possess or have, we did it through faith. Everything the Bible said we could ever do or have, we've been able to do. Everywhere we preach the gospel, we're trending on Amazon again today. Hallelujah. The reason we're trending on Amazon is because God said we could have it. He said, I set the land before you. Now go and possess it. All we had was a tiny little dream and vision about this big. And God took it and flourished it because his word said so. We didn't say, oh, God, if we could just, if we could just uh, reach 10 people for Jesus this year, you faithless generation. No, when we did an outreach and we went to lead people to Jesus at California University, in five days we led 335 people to Jesus. Five days. Some of us haven't led that many people to Jesus in all the years we've lived because we're a faithless generation. Ah. Uh. So. Father says, if there's anything that you can do, help us. Demon cried out before Jesus. The father cried out and Jesus cried, you faithless generation. Jesus begins to minister to the root of that problem. He says, help us. The Father says, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus responds, if you can believe. See, the problem is not the church. The problem is not the pastor. Jesus says, if you can believe. In other words, if you can believe, then nothing shall be impossible if you can believe. Somebody say the same God. The same God that was saying, if you can believe, is the same God that is calling on you and I today. The same God that we were singing about earlier, that same Jesus, we were singing, shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, is the same one that we're reading about today. See, the faith you have for your church, the faith that you have for most things, what happens to that faith when your family is under attack? What happens to that same faith that we have when we gather together and worship and feel and sense the glory and the power and the presence of God? That faith you have for everything else has to play out in your living room, not just in church, not just in prayer meeting, not just in corporate settings of, of, of worship. It's not enough to have, a sun, to have faith on Sunday morning if you don't have faith on Monday morning. 
That's why Jesus said, you faithless generation. It's not enough. We can't say, I believe you over here, but doubt you over there. In other words, we have to take what we learn in here, out there, and apply it each and every day. We got to be able to roll up our sleeves and say, devil, you've messed with the wrong person. Because I think sometimes we fight with people way more than we do the devil. I'll say it again. I think we fight way too much with people than we do the devil. We've been guilty in the church of pointing out what's wrong with everybody else and what's wrong with the church down the street instead of fighting with the devil. Instead of taking back what the enemy has stolen from you, we, we, we fight amongst ourselves. We'll find reasons to split our churches and we find reasons to leave this one to plan another one. Uh-huh. We'll find a reason to change the name and do all the things that we do instead of fighting with the devil and taking back. That's what this is a moment about. Jesus is saying, you faithless generation. He's saying, how long are you going to stare at the problem instead of realizing I equipped you with, with the ability to be able to deal with the problem that you were unsuccessful dealing with? Hallelujah. So we'll fight with people and not with the enemy. In other words, the if is on you. Nothing is impossible. That's what Jesus said. Nothing is impossible if you believe. The man says, the man admitted he had unbelief. The man admitted it. He had unbelief. Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you and I cannot see. Let me put it to you this way. This is another way Jesus was laying it out to the, before him when, 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 when the father admitted he, he said I believe but help my unbelief the father admitted I've lost vision for my family he's saying I, I believe but Lord help my unbelief have you lost vision for your family have you lost vision for who you are in your house and who you are in your family have you forgotten what God's word has said over you and about you? Have you lost vision while you are sitting there filled with the Holy Ghost? I think a lot of us in the body of Christ have lost vision of what he says about you. That's why I said to you ladies earlier, we're not giving you flowers this year. What we're giving you is the word of God. A little thing called armed and dangerous so that you can remember who it is that you are, that you are armed and that you are dangerous, that, that you are packing the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. That you are a power source plugged in. You are plugged into the power source. And that you need to be reminded of who it is that you are. Have you lost vision that you are filled with the Holy Ghost? Have you lost vision that when you walk into a room that demons should tremble? Have you lost vision that, that, that you possess the ability and the power that when you call upon the name of Jesus, he listens? Have you, have you missed out and forgotten that when you call upon the name of the Lord and you start saying, Lord, I need you, he starts sending angels on your behalf. That's what Jesus was saying to those, those people when, when they were unsuccessful casting out that you said, you faithless generation. In other words, when you open your mouth and begin to call on the Lord, he said, you need to know that the angel being dispatched on your behalf. You need to remember who you are. They were a faithless generation because they fought, forgot, one, the power that they had access to. They, they forgot that, 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 that they were, they were faith-believing, Holy Ghost-filled, water-baptized, Jesus-on-their-mind kind of people. 
and that they didn't need Jesus to fix it, but they had access to the same thing he did. Have you lost vision of who you really are in the body of Christ? Have you lost vision with who you are in your family? Maybe we're not seeing the results and answers to the prayers we've had because we've lost vision of who we are. And what you thought was the problem isn't really the problem. Maybe the real problem is you've forgotten who you are. That's why Jesus turned his head from the sun. Snarling and gnashing of teeth and foaming at the mouth because he needed to fix what was wrong within the Father. Because he thought, if I fix the son, but I don't fix the father, there's still going to be a problem in the house. And if there's a problem in the house, it's going to affect everybody in the house. My God. I'm preaching today. Come on, you better say amen. And so now we're, now we're starting to maybe see why we're not getting an answer over there. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. See, you thought she was the problem. No, God's been ignoring. He turned his head from you. He turned his head from her, from what you've been praying about because he's been trying to deal with what's wrong in you. Oh. <laughs> uh. He said, if I don't deal with what's wrong in you, it'll still affect everybody in the house. So what good is it me to dispense this deliverance of this devil only for this child to have to go home and live with yours? Oh, Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why he said, you faithless generation. Because these men who have walked with Jesus and witnessed him ministering and healing and doing miraculous things were distracted by the performance of the devil and overlooked the root of not just that performance, but the root that was in the house. Do you know how many times the enemy takes your attention by some performance of somebody? I mean, know the loudest, most obnoxious, rudest, nastiest person in your family is something the enemy is using to distract you from a root problem somewhere else. Thank you, Jesus, for helping your church today. Because God has given you and I weapons on Sunday that he wants you and I to use on Monday. Have you ever noticed why we can't love everybody? Why, why, that we can't love everybody on Sunday and go home and, and sometimes we'll lose our mind and scream and yell and cuss one another out later in the afternoon, lose it on Monday. I, I know we won't admit to that, but it happens. But the very fact that that happens in our families and in our homes indicates that we've lost the vision for our family. The very fact that you can lose it to that degree means that you have lost hope that it will get any better. You know what that is? That's just a demon manifest and foaming at the mouth. 
Bible says in the text, I'm almost through. The Bible says in our text, the demon is still foaming while he's been talking to the father all this time. And Jesus ignored him. It's, it kind of reminds me of how Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat in the middle of the storm. Why in the world does God seem to ignore when we're afraid of something? Why does it seem like the things that we're panicked about that God doesn't get panicked about? Why, doesn't he know that you and I are in a storm? Doesn't he know that this boy was filming at the mouth? Doesn't he know that, 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 that he's lost all kind of weight? Doesn't he know that, that, he, that maybe the man's not happy in his marriage? Doesn't he know that that, 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 that that woman may be getting on his last nerve? Doesn't he know what's really going on? Why isn't God moving in what I'm upset about right now? Why is there this disconnect from what I believe and what I'm experiencing? How is it that Jesus is talking to the Father while the boy is laying on the ground? And I was asking God all of those things, and that's when God says, Adam, family is the gym that love works out in. <laughs> that's why sometimes our families can look a little crazy. Because family is the gym that your love works out in. It's where our love exercises. It's where, 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 where love works out. But our faith that we have here in this place to believe God isn't worth a nickel if it doesn't go home with us to believe that the same things that we'll pray about and believe to be changed and brought into wholeness here will be brought into wholeness in our home. It'll be brought into wholeness in our home. With the storm and with this text, Jesus addressing and dealing with this demon. Jesus talked about a faithless generation. The problem is faith. It is never the problem. It is a problem of faith. The problem is our belief system and how we activate or don't activate it in the storm. When the man says, help my unbelief, he's really saying, if you break it down in its original etymology, when he's saying, Lord, help my unbelief, what he's really saying is I have lost a vision of what it means to be well. you know how we have lived with such dysfunction and some problems that we have prayed for to be made well or to be made healed for so long that we've not seen the answer that just like this man when he says father help my unbelief what it really means in the original etymology of the text isn't just about belief but the father literally said I have lost a vision of what it is to be well. I've lived so long with something wrong in me that I don't even know what it is like to be me. In other words, I can live depressed so long that I don't remember what the old me was like. I've lived without joy so long I don't even remember what it is to laugh. 
I've lived with a screwed up marriage so long, I don't even remember what a healthy one's like. Or I've lived with a sick kid so long, I don't even remember what it was like when they were well. There are some things that we are living with in this life that that's what we could say to Jesus is, Lord, help my unbelief. Or what we would really be saying is, Lord, I've lost vision for what it is to really be well. I've lost vision for wellness, what it really means to be whole. I don't even know what it's like. Lord, I, I, I don't know what it is like to even live a life where there's nothing missing, nothing lacking and been broken because there's been something missing, lacking and broken for so long. I stopped even asking. So that might be why when we start praying and asking God for miracles, we're not seeing them because we have faith in one area, but we're suffering from unbelief in another because we've lived with it so long that we don't know what it's like to be well. I know right now, this message, that's why I couldn't preach Mother's Day today, that I'm preaching to somebody in this place where you've had to live with it so long, you don't even remember. What, what, what life was like before all, the, all of it started. What was it like to ever live life before the abuse? Before the pain, before the diagnosis? What was life like before they were on drugs? What was life like? How happy was your marriage before they betrayed you? Anybody that's ever had someone betray them, you know it's real hard to ever get back to what it was before that. So that's why he said you. That's why he focused on the father before he dealt with the son. Because he said, if I deliver this young boy and I set him free of this demon, he'll only go home to have to deal with yours. And what God says he desires that you and I live an abundant life. He said super abundance. That means he don't want to deliver me in one area of my life only to have to, to suffer your demons too. And so whatever area that you've been praying and asking God for, I want you to understand Jesus has turned his head to look at an area that you've ignored. To look at an area that's dealing with your unbelief. An area where you've not been well. The area where have you lost vision for what it means to be well. That you've not been well so long that you forgot what is it like to be whole? What is it like to, to thank you, to, to live a life, nothing missing, nothing lacking and nothing broken? I'll close with this. There's more to this story, but when I was babysitting my grandson the other day, mom came for a visit. And then after she left, it was time for a nap and she was holding him on the couch. I told you all that my grandson was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. 
And that's when this word was brewing in me. He speaks to me in strange ways. And the Lord said, I'm the same God. I laid my big fat hand on his little head. And I said, Lord, you said you're the same God. So I speak life to the front of his brain where it's dead and not working. Lord, you said you're the same God. So I took his little arms that are stiff and that he can't move. And I started moving his arms and opening his hands. I said, God, you said. You're the same God. Don't, don't let him grow up to never know what it... I don't want him to ever have to live a day that he'll never know what it's like to never be whole. That's what you said to this man. So God, I hold you to your word that he will never grow up and not know a day that he is not whole. So I command this hand to move. And I command his feet to gain strength. I held him at his word. That's what it is. That's what God's trying to do. God's trying to remind you and I that he is that same God. And so whatever it is that you've been praying for and he hasn't been moving, he wants to deal with the root and not just the fruit. Don't, don't be distracted by the, the things the enemy is throwing in your way. There are some people in your life that they're, they're, they're like a firework. They're like a firecracker. They're always setting off and sh- sh- running their mouth about some look past them. Don't respond to them anymore. Let them in their nastiness, let them just be consumed with their own nasty negative self. And you look past them and look for the root. And let me tell you something, the root is in you. It's something God wants to do in you. Problem is not them. It is in you. And so when I held my grandson, I said, Lord, you're the same God. This is what I heard him say. He said, I am. And then it reminded me that Jesus turned his head. And it was as if I could see God looking past Warren to get to me. In other words, God's saying, I'll deal with him. But what is it good is it if I deal with him? If I don't heal you, and if I don't heal his mother, are you hearing what I'm telling you? What good is it if God allows him to walk and crawl and feed himself and do all that if he has to live and grow up in a home of dysfunction? See, he ain't shouting now. And it's the reason I saw, literally as I prayed, I could see God turning his head from me from what I was praying to get to me. They say, Adam, don't just pray for the healing of war. I said that I would do it, but let's get to the root. God wants to get to the root of his mother and the root in his father and the root in me and the root in mom and the root in our family. Are you hearing me? Otherwise, it's a wasted miracle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
what good is it for God to allow him to grow and live and walk himself if he has to live in hell? When God says, I promised you wholeness, nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. And that's what you've got to know right now. God's trying to get to something bigger than the fireworks that are distracting you. Bigger than something laying on the floor frothing. That's why Jesus wasn't concerned. Jesus, I'll get to that. But let me fix your father first. And then, of course, all the religious fanatics, church people. Most church people who wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if it slapped him in the face. Said, look, he's dead. Look, he's dead. And Jesus, once again, he probably could have rebuked him again. You faithless generation. The Bible says he reached down his hand. Took the boy by the hand. Picked him up. And the boy arose. In other words, God's working when it doesn't look like he's working. In other words, earlier when we sang that song, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. I fight him in worship. I fight him in prayer. This is how I fight my battles. It might look like God's not doing nothing. and He might have turned his head, but that's only because God is trying to get to you. If you're able, will you stand to your feet? We're going to stop right there. We're going to deal with the same God more next week. Because he, he wants to teach you he's the same God. And I'm believing it's a series that God's going to do that he's going to get to the root of us. But we're going to see some of the things we've been praying about answered and restored in fullness in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I know some of you need to get to lunch with mom. Just spend time with her. But if we can, without hesitation, without a lot of church theatrics, if you've been able to say you If you're able to say you're preaching to me, he's, he's trying to get to something in me. Come and stand with me quickly. Come, come, come. Or Neil, if you want to, I don't care. If you say that's me, he hasn't been answering in some way, but, but I know by what, you're, by what you're preaching, he's been trying to get to me. He's been trying to get to me. Come on in, come on in. Yeah, that's it. Come on. Quickly, quickly, quickly. You're not here by accident. You didn't hear this word by accident. It was bringing tears to your eyes. It's because God's trying to speak to your heart. He, he's ignoring the thing you've been praying about because he's trying to get to you. I, I, I said earlier that some of you can't say much because you, you don't talk when you're in, in the middle of surgery. That's what's happening right now. Some of you are not able to say much or do much because he's trying to do a work in you. Will you let him? Will you let him right now? Will you, will, will you let him right now? 
get deep within you and do a work in you. See, the enemy wanted you to be distracted by the bigger thing, the, the, the louder area, the, the thing that looks the, the most controversial in your life right now. But God turned his head to focus on you this morning. I'm thankful that sometimes Jesus turns his head. I'm thankful that sometimes Jesus will turn his head from what's the loudest and the most attention grabbing to notice me. So we're going to pray for every one of you in the front of this place this morning. Because there's several of you. You don't have to join hands, but if, if you're okay and you're comfortable with it, put your hand on the person's shoulder next to you. Because I believe what God's doing in one will move on to the next. I've watched God move like that. And that He sees you. And that He's healing you. And that He's going to help you. Today in this moment. There is a presence in this place. That if you will allow Him to help your unbelief. If you will allow Him you might not be able to remember what it was like to be well. You might not remember what was life was like before the trauma, or before the pain, or before the betrayal. But if you'll let God do it right now, he'll, He will restore to you the years that the canker worm. He will restore to you the years that, that, that the locusts have consumed. He will restore to you the years that have been taken away from you. And to give you back what the devil has, has removed and stolen from you in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to pray for you and everybody else that's in the back of this room today. Stretch your hand forward and begin to pray for every person standing here. Everybody at home, everybody on TV right now. Begin to pray. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost if you can. Pray for them. We need to see God move. We, God turned his head to look at you today. He's not noticing the people that, that are in the greatest need, according to your opinion. He noticed you today. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus to every person that, Lord, you turned your head away from today. God, you turned your head away to look at us today in this place. To every person standing in the front of this room today, God, you are looking at them. God, I pray that you would do what only you are able to do in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, that in order to fix the bigger need in our life, God, you said, I need to get to you first. So, Father, do in me what I cannot do in myself. God, I pray that you would bring wholeness back to the body of Christ. God, where there would be nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. God, I pray that you would bring us back to a place where, Lord, our mind may never be able to remember what it was like to have real joy. God, some of us may never remember the day that we fell in love like we do, like we used to. But God, I pray that you would bring wholeness in marriages. I pray that you would bring wholeness in our physical bodies. I pray that, God, you would bring wholeness, nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken in every spiritual life in this place.
God, some of us can't even remember what it was like to be on fire. It has been so long. But God, you turned your head to look at us today. And so, Father, I pray right now that, Father, that you would release your anointing. And, Father, that you would restore in us the years that the enemy has stolen. You would restore to us the the years, the years that the enemy has stolen. Listen to me. God wants to go back years. He wants to go back years. He wants to go back before it happened and give you joy. He, He wants to go back before they betrayed you and make you whole. He wants to go back before it all went wrong and help you. He wants to go back before the diagnosis and bring wholeness. That's why he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want to get nothing missing, lacking, or broken to you. So, Father, I seal what you are doing right now. God, I see you doing a deep work. Now, Lord, I challenge your people that, Lord, what we receive here on Sunday, we'll be able to nurture on Monday. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. Hear me, (laughs) nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. You need to let God do in you right now. See, you've been praying about that bigger issue. Like I was praying about Warren. While I was praying about Warren, God was trying to get to me. You need to know God's already got that dealt with. He has the capacity and the ability to deal with that thing you have been praying about a while. But this moment is about you. It's not about anybody else. It's not about you praying for anybody else. This is a moment where you are on the surgical table of heaven. And God is trying to do something in you that needed to be done a long time ago. Some of you know you have not been right. You haven't been able to walk in joy. You haven't been able to have peace. You haven't been able to just go to bed at night and not worry. Some of you know that some things have not been right for years That you, because you've carried stuff with you. You need to let God do in you. He'll get to the bigger issue. He'll get to the thing that, that, that you thought was the bigger problem. But God wants you to know you are his priority right now. Because he leaves the 99 to get to the one. God left the the big crowd to come to you today right here at Fresh Fire Church. Because you mean that much to him. He turned his head from everybody else to look at you right now. So, Father, we receive what you have for us. Father, I call forth ministering angels right now to surround this place and to surround the people in the front of this room ministering angels to minister to the deepest darkest places in people's spirits and souls god i i pray your word in third john 
that Lord you desire above all that we prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers Father I pray people's minds their will and their emotions I call them, to, them into an alignment to how God you created us God I pray our mind our will and our emotions that Lord we will have joy again I pray that we will have the peace of God over our life again I pray the very manifest of your presence and your spirit will come flooding up out of us God I even pray that up out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water God, I pray a brand new outpouring of your spirit, a brand new fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost, that Lord, strength would come out of that. Strength would be poured over us in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I see what you've done. I pray that we'll be able to leave this place, but not your presence, and that, Lord, we would take you with us wherever we go. And the glory and the power of God would overshadow us. And the same glory that we experienced here on the mountain is the same glory we'll see in the valley. Because of what you did in me. Because of what you did in us. Now I speak healing, restoration, and wholeness to your people now in the name of Jesus. And Father, as we close and we give our tithes and our offerings leaving this place and online, Bless it, multiply it, increase it. Lord, some of us haven't been able to give cheerfully in so long. But today, God, as we give, we're going to give cheerfully. Because we're excited to give. We're excited to sow to your kingdom. We're excited to sow into something bigger than us. Because you unlocked what was bound up inside of me. Now bless your people. Bless the weak. Bless the women and every mother. Every female in this place, bless them, multiply, bring increase in their life. And we thank you that, Lord, you are the same God. And we give you thanks in your name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you. Love on somebody if they're close to you. Give somebody a hug. Give them a shake, handshake. Let somebody know that you love them, that Jesus loves them. Have a beautiful week in Jesus. Jesus.